Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're there in Genesis chapter 39. And uh, this morning, we're taking a break from our Wilderness Wandering Sermon Series. We are going through a sermon series, going through the book of Numbers. Uh, but today, of course, is our Worker Appreciation Sunday. And uh, I want to take this opportunity to preach on the subject of work. And uh, work is something the Bible talks a lot about. And let me just begin by giving you a definition for the word work. Work is defined as the activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose uh, or result. And uh, I want to preach on the subject of work this morning. And there's a character in the Bible uh, that whenever I read uh, through his story, it, it always jumps out to me uh, of how great of a worker he was, an excellent worker uh, in the Bible, and that is the character of Joseph. And let me, let me just say this. One of these days, I'm going to preach a whole series on the subject of work because um, you find a theme in the Bible, and I'm not going to touch on this this morning, but you find a theme in the Bible where God's people are always the best workers uh, in wherever they find themselves. We'll see that this morning with Joseph, but we will also see it with Jacob, his father. Uh, but you see it with Daniel. You see it with Shadrach, with Meshach, with Bendigo. You see it with Mordecai. You see it with Esther. You see it all throughout the Bible that wherever God's people are, they always are the best workers and they rise in authority. And that should be the way it is. Um, there should be no one that works harder at your job than you do because you're a Bible-believing Christian. That's how it should uh, be. Uh, but something that I've learned over the years, and, uh, and, and it is this, that some people just don't know how to work. And unfortunately, some people were not, maybe, I don't know what it is, they weren't raised in homes where uh, they had fathers that made them work or taught them how to work. And some people don't, just don't know how to work. But the Bible can teach you everything you need to know about anything. And I want to I teach you this morning on the subject of work. I want to teach you from the Bible how to work. And I'd like us to learn some principles from the life of Joseph, some principles or characteristics on the subject of work. And I would encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write down uh, some things. The Bible says here in Genesis 39, and I'd like you to look at verse number one. The Bible says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go through the whole life of Joseph uh, this morning, but if you remember, Joseph was a 17-year-old young man, and because of envy, his brothers sold him into slavery. And we are looking at the story here. When he shows up to Egypt, he's been sold into slavery. The Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him uh, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph. I love that little uh, phrase. You find it throughout the life of Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. I hope... It can be said of me, and I hope it can be said of you, that the Lord is with us. But the Bible says here, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in, the sight, in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house. I want you to notice this little phrase there in verse number 4. The Bible says that he made him oversee over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in the house, that, uh, and, that, uh, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and uh, the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Notice verse 6, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. And notice this, notice this little phrase. 
and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. We see here that Joseph is sold into slavery, and the Bible tells us that he served his master, Potiphar. And the Bible tells us that there in verse 6, that he, Potiphar, and he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not aught he had. And what the Bible is saying here is that uh, Potiphar pretty much let Joseph run everything to the point where Potiphar himself didn't even check in on what Joseph was doing or how things were being ran because Joseph was so trustworthy and such a good worker that the Bible says that Potiphar himself, though he was the master of the house, the Bible says that he knew not aught, the word aught means there, he knew not anything he had save the bread which he did eat. If you would have asked him, how much money do you have in the account? If you would have asked him, how's business going? If you would have asked him about the cattle or whatever it is, the, 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 the investments that he had, he would have said, I don't know. Joseph runs that all for me, and, and, and I don't even know. I, I just know the food that's set before me. And he said, the only thing I know about is to save, save the bread which he did eat. But he trusted Joseph because Joseph was such a great and a hard worker. And here we uh, see the first point that I want to highlight for you. Because like I said, a lot of people just don't know how to work hard. Or they don't know what it means to work hard. And, and maybe you are a hard worker, maybe you're not. And maybe this morning you can kind of identify in yourself and ask yourself, am I a hard worker? Am I a Joseph? Am I someone that works hard? And let me give you several things, characteristics regarding work, and maybe you can write these down. Number one, I'd like to say this, hard workers push themselves. Hard workers push themselves. And here's what I mean by that. And when I emphasize this idea of push themselves, they push themselves, meaning they don't need someone else to push them. Here's another way that we could say it. A hard worker doesn't need to be supervised. Notice Joseph didn't need to be supervised. The Bible says that he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not aught he had. He left everything in the power of Joseph and Potiphar just went about his way, went about his day and, and he didn't have to supervise Joseph. He didn't have to micromanage Joseph. He didn't have to check in constantly on Joseph. And, and the reason for that is because Joseph was a hard worker and hard workers push themselves. Hard workers don't have to be supervised. They don't have to be told what to do. They don't have to be constantly checked in on and, and, and held accountable. A hard worker is not, doesn't require someone else to push them, but they push themselves. And I'd like you to keep your place there in Genesis. That's our text for this morning. But if you would, go with me to the book of Proverbs. Keep your place in Genesis and go with me to the book of Proverbs. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. And you know, this, this sermon is important for all of us because of the fact that God has called all of us to work. The Bible is very clear about the fact that men were created to work. Men are supposed to work. But it's not just men, of course. Women are created to work as well. And obviously, we don't believe that women should go off into the workplace. If you're a wife and a mother, then the Bible teaches that you should uh, be a keeper at home. But even at home, you should be a hard worker. If you read Proverbs 31, you read about the virtuous woman. She wasn't uh, sitting around at home watching soap operas all day. She was a hard worker. She was working hard. And one of the characteristics 
of being a hard worker is that they push themselves. They don't need to be pushed. They don't need to be pulled. They don't need someone to be watching over them at every moment. They are uh, self-starters. They are people that are going to just work whether the boss is there or not, whether the boss is watching or not, whether mom and dad are watching or not, whether your husband is watching or not. They're going to push themselves to work. Are you there in Proverbs 6? Look at verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6, the Bible says this, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Now the Bible talks a lot about hard work, and it also talks about lazy people. And here we have a verse uh, uh, giving some advice to a lazy person. A sluggard is someone who is lazy. They're being, uh, uh, they're, they're being uh, uh, represented here by an animal, uh, by, by an insect, by a slug. And of course, when we think of a slug, we think of someone that's not moving very fast, someone that's not getting a lot done. And here, God is using this to describe an individual. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. So he's using the ant, and then he's using a slug. And he's trying to say, which one are you? Are you an ant or a slug? And then notice what he says about the ant. He says, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. The Bible says that one of the things about an ant, a working ant, think about the uh, a working ant is used as an example here of a hard worker. One of the things about a hard worker uh, is that like an ant, they provide for her meat in the summer, they gather her food in the harvest, but they have no guide, overseer, or ruler. There's nobody that is telling these little ants working uh, all summer long that you have to get to work, you have to go to work. They, are, uh, they push themselves. They realize that they have to work through the summer and they have to work uh, through the harvest if they're going to survive the winter. And we see this as a characteristic of a hard worker. A hard worker uh, pushes themselves. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Go back to the book of Genesis. Keep your place in both Genesis and Proverbs, if you would. We're going to go back and forth between those two books. So you got to, be, let's begin there and ask yourself, are you the type of person that can work without being supervised? That is a self-starter. That is going to continue. You know, if you work a job in a secular job, ask yourself, do you work as hard when the boss is not there as to work when the boss is there? When you're being watched or when, and when you're not being watched. And, you know, this is one of the, I mean, this is probably the, if you, if you want to just, you say, I don't know, am I a hard worker? You know, what's the litmus test for knowing if you're a hard worker? Here's the litmus test. Do you have to be supervised? Do you have to be micromanaged? Does somebody have to be constantly saying, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing this right now, this is taking too long, what are you doing, work harder? Do you need that or are you the type of person that just gets in there and gets uh, things done? Now let me just say a couple of things about uh, pushing yourself and, and, and self-supervision. Obviously, all of us should work towards uh, pushing ourselves and, and being uh, 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 self-starters. And, but, you know, what, one, one place where this is extremely important is for people that are business owners or people that are self-employed. And, you know, over the years, I have always highly recommended uh, that men start their own businesses or work for themselves. And that's something that I've, I've recommended a lot. I've preached a lot about it. Um, and, and when guys come to me and they're like, I'm struggling and this, I always say, hey, you know, you, we live in the United States of America. You can make money. And, um, 
And I highly recommend it. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons our church has a very high above average number of self-employed and, and business people. Uh, sometimes I talk to other pastors that have similar sized churches and they'll ask me, you know, or we might be talking about the subject and, and, and I'll start counting, you know, how many business owners we have. And I, I don't remember what the number is. Last time I counted, I think we had like 12 or 13 business owners or self-employed people. And, and other churches that are running 200, 250, they're like, I have two, you know. So for some odd reason, we've got a lot of them here. And I think maybe, maybe you know, I attract business owners and praise God for that. Uh, or maybe, you know, it's just the fact that I preach about it and recommend it a lot. But, you know, let me say this because I have recommended it over the years and I continue to recommend it. But one thing that I have also kind of become aware of over the years is this, that you're not going to make it working for yourself or being a business owner if you can't drag yourself out of bed and work hard all day long. And, you know, there, and, and look, let me just say this, and I'm not trying to beat up on you or whatever, but some people don't need to be business owners. Some people just need to work for someone. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because some people just need somebody to tell them, no, you're going to be here at 8 a.m., you're going to work till 5, you're going to take lunch at 12. You know, so I, I do advise that people, especially men, work, you know, start your own business, work for yourself, all those things. But you also need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, can you get yourself out of bed? Can you get up early and work all day long? And if you're not able to supervise yourself, look, if you just know... I'm not going to uh, be able to do that, then maybe you should just work hard somewhere else. But when you do work hard somewhere else, continue to be someone that doesn't have to be micromanaged and and, uh, supervised, okay? Because it's not for everyone. And honestly, oftentimes when people become self-employed, when they become business owners, and then they struggle, nine times out of 10, it's you're sleeping in, you're not working hard all day, you're, you're sitting around, and then, yeah, how, how are you going to expect to succeed in life if you're not working hard? So here's the thing. Start businesses. Be self-employed. You live in the United States of America. You can make money. But if you know that you're not a self-starter, then go work somewhere and work hard. Yeah. And obviously, in life, we need to just be the type of people that aren't being micromanaged and watched all the time, and we're going to work hard. But you do need to realize that it's not for everyone. And look, I had to learn this the hard way. When I became a full-time pastor... You know, I went from working a full-time job, and I went to becoming a full-time pastor, and though I'm not a business owner, I started a church, you know, no one tells me when to get up. No one tells me uh, when, to, uh, when, when to do anything. I mean, you know, I work for the church, but I don't, there, my boss is God, but, but God doesn't have me fill out a timesheet, you know what I mean? And look, my wife and I got up at 6 a.m. this morning. Nobody made us get up at 6 a.m., no, there's no boss telling me, you know, get up and, 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 and get to work. And, and some people can do that and some people cannot. And you just have to be honest with yourself. And, and, and if you're struggling, uh, then don't go out and start some business and, and then sleep till noon all day because that's not going to work out well for you. But even at work, though, make sure that you're working hard, even if you're not being watched and making sure that you are doing the things that uh, you need to do. So you got to be honest with yourself because a hard worker pushes themselves. They're not being pushed by... And look, I've got three full-time employees, you know? I'm telling them, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that or whatever, but I have to be able to... I need to be working all day long too 
to justify me telling them to work and do those things. So number one, hard workers push themselves. Let me give you another characteristic. Go to Genesis 39, look at verse 20. Genesis 39 and verse 20. The Bible says this, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. And again, I'm not preaching on the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph is extremely interesting and very complicated. But if you're not familiar with the life of Joseph, you should know this, that he, of course, gets sold into slavery. And then he does a great job as a slave. He works hard as a slave. We already saw it. Potiphar just makes him, you know, the, the lord of the house pretty much and, and, and doesn't supervise him. But, of course, Potiphar's wife lies about him and gets Joseph thrown into prison. So then we see that Joseph is thrown into prison. Notice here, Genesis 39, verse 20, And Joseph's master, that's Potiphar, took him and put him into the prison. This is, of course, after Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Notice again the phrase, but the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Look at verse 22. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there. I love this little phrase. You ought to underline this phrase in your Bible, especially if you love work and want to be a hard worker. I love this little phrase that is said of Joseph, and I hope that this can be said of me, and I hope it can be said of you. The Bible says there, whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And, you know, another thing that we can learn from the life of Joseph is not just, number one, hard workers push themselves, but number two, hard workers produce value. Hard workers produce because they push themselves They also produce. They are producers. They are productive. Notice here, and look, this for sure is telling you that Joseph wasn't lazy. He's in prison, and he's still working hard. He's in prison, and he's working hard, and the Bible says whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Can that be said of you at at your job? And whatsoever they did there, so-and-so is the doer of it. Hey, can that be said of you at Verity Baptist Church? And whatsoever they did there, he was a doer of it. He was productive. He produced. He was a productive uh, individual. So we see that hard workers, not only do they push themselves, but hard workers also produce. They are productive. They are producers. They produce value. You're there in Genesis 39. Flip back to Genesis chapter 30. In Genesis chapter 30. When it comes to the subject of work in the Bible, one of my favorite characters is Joseph. And that's the one we're looking at this morning. And there are other characters that we can also learn from. Like I already stated, Mordecai, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. All these individuals are individuals that we can exemplify them at the workplace. But honestly, for me personally, probably my favorite character in the Bible that exemplifies hard work is Jacob. Now, Jacob, I'm not preaching about Jacob, but I do want to just give you some verses just because it's in the same book of Genesis. And of course, it's interesting to me that Jacob is Joseph's father. And Joseph ended up being a very hard worker. And Jacob, the Bible also tells us that he was a very hard worker. But I want you to notice how Jacob produced value uh, for his boss. Genesis 30 and verse 29. 
Notice this, the Bible says this, and he, this was Jacob, again, another great worker in the Bible, he said unto him, this is Jacob speaking to Laban. Laban is his uh, boss, he's also his father-in-law and his uncle, uh, but in this uh, context, they're talking about work. He said unto Laban, thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. Notice verse 30, for it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased unto a multitude. And the Lord has blessed thee since my coming. And now when shall I provide for mine own house also? And I want you to notice here that what we're looking at is Jacob is really putting in his resignation to Laban. And he's saying, I'm going to go work for myself now. But I want you to notice one of the re and Laban is not happy with it. But one of the things that Jacob says, and Laban agrees with him, and I'm not going to probably get to it this morning, but we might talk about it later. And Laban is pretty much going to tell Jacob, you know, tell me what, what I got to pay you to keep you here. But I want you to notice, so, so Laban agrees with what Jacob is saying. And here's what Jacob says. It was little when thou had, verse 30, for it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased unto a multitude. What is Jacob saying? Jacob is saying, I have produced for you. I have produced value. When you hired me, you had a small amount of flocks. And because of my work and because of my labor, it is now increased unto a multitude. I want you to notice that hard workers, not only do they push themselves, but hard workers also produce value. They produce uh, uh, and they are productive, and that's what makes them hard workers. So you need to ask yourself, what do you produce on a regular basis? What are you producing? What are you doing? What are you accomplishing? Because that's what will determine whether you are a hard worker or not. Go to Genesis 49. Genesis 49. While you turn there, let me just give you a little, a little story. My sons, I've got two teen boys. And several years ago, they started working with their uncle, uh, Brother Jose Cruz. Of course, he's a member here. Brother Jose has a very uh, successful landscaping business my boys don't really work with him anymore because they started their own flyer delivery business and they've got more work now than they can even do. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to hire someone, I guess. They're just teen boys. You know, it's just a little business they run as, as teenagers, but the Lord is blessing them. But um, before they started that flyer delivery business, they, were, they would go work uh, with Jose. Of course, Jose would have them come do manual labor and when they were doing cleanouts or they were doing landscaping or whatever. And when I would drive my sons to the workplace, and this was kind of the first time that they were going to go work somewhere else, you know, somewhere away from me, I would, I would always, every time I drove them there, I, I, would, I would kind of give them the same advice, and I just remind them of the same, of, of the same things, because I wanted to make sure that they were going to work hard. And obviously, I, I, they work hard for us at home or whatever, but I just wanted to make sure that they were ready to go work. And, and, and so this is the advice I gave them. So I, I want to give you this advice for all the young men out there, um, you should listen up because this is good advice for you. But honestly, even for the not-so-young men out there, this might be some good advice for you, okay? Now, you might think like, oh, you're just a pastor. You're just a dad, and you, you know, you're going to give us this little quaint advice. Let, let me just say this, okay? I gave my sons this advice, and after several days of them working with Jose, because Jose has, like, employees that are, you know, just normal guys that are not related to us, that are just, you know, employees that he hired. One, one day, I was dropping off my boys there, and one of his workers, 
who I didn't really know him. I mean, I'd seen him around, obviously, because I've been around Jose, but I didn't really know him. He's not a church member. He's not a family member. He came up to me and he said, hey, you know, I just want to tell you that your sons work harder than most grown men I know. And, and, and again, if, if, if Jose had said stuff like that in the past, but I just kind of thought like, oh, well, he, you know, he's just being nice. Obviously, he's their uncle. But this guy is just some regular worker. He had no reason to walk up to me and say that. And he was just like, hey, I just want to tell you, you're doing something right with your sons because they work harder than most grown men I know. And I'm only saying that to say this because they followed this advice. So I told my sons, this is what you need to do. And then just some grown man that's not a family, that's not a church member, you know, because I get it if it's like a church member or saying, hey, you know, your son. It's just some guy that works for Jose, walks up to me and says, you should know your sons work harder than most grown men I know. Here's the advice that I gave them, and here's the advice that they followed. And maybe, you know, some of you men need to learn how to work. So let me help you out with this. This is what I told my sons. As I would drive them to work, these are the things I would, I would say, tell them. You need to, and you, I've said this before. You've probably heard me say this before. I would coach them. You need to work as fast as possible and as slow as needed. You need to work as fast as possible and as slow as needed. And I would explain to them. Here's what I mean by that. As fast as possible while still paying attention to detail and making sure things look good. Okay? So you, and look, I'm telling you, at work or whatever area you find yourself in, you need to work as fast as possible and as slow as needed. Because the, I found with workers, there's these two extremes. There's people that go really fast. But then it's all a mess. And that doesn't really help anything because, look, it doesn't really help anything when you're going really fast and then someone has to go behind you and fix it all. That didn't help anything. That doesn't do anything. And then there's other people that, you know, it looks real nice. But, you know, by the time you finish, you know, the job, we were all dead. The job, there's not even, don't even finish. The, the, they died. We're selling the house now, okay? They're, they're, they're dead. So there, there's people that are, I'm, I'm a hard worker. But it's like, yeah, but it looks like garbage. And then there's people that are like, oh, this is going to look so great. But it's like, well, you know, well, your boss is dead. You don't have a job anymore. So at work, you need to work as, far, as fast as possible and as slow as needed. And let me tell you something. Bosses would rather, and look, I'm a boss. I have employees. Bosses would rather you take your time to do it right the first time. But they also don't want you taking longer than you need to. So you need to work as fast as possible and as slow as needed. As fast as possible while still paying attention to detail, while still making sure that things look good, while still not being sloppy, while still making sure it looks nice. Here's the other thing I would advise them. Do whatever your boss tells you to do. And never make your boss tell you to do something more than once. Look, I'm a boss. I have three full-time employees. I'm telling you, nothing irritates a boss more than having to tell you to do the same thing more than once. And you should just make it a rule in life that if your boss tells you, you know, I don't like this. I don't want it done this way. That he should never have to say that to you again. Just look, you want, you want, your, you want the favor of God upon your life with your boss? Make him never have to repeat himself to you. Do whatever your boss tells you to do and never make your boss tell you to do something more than once or make you you have to remind you, hey, we've talked about this. That is something that's going to irritate them. Here's another piece of advice that I gave my sons. And look, again, you can say, oh, advice you give your sons. But I had a grown man tell me, your sons are really good workers, you know. So, and, and look, 
So they better, you know, they're, they're, they're here now, so now I'm putting pressure on them. They're going to work real hard at those work days. You know, let me, say, let me say this, too. Some of the best workers we've had at these work days have been these teen boys, not just my sons, all the teen boys. I've been very impressed with the, the teenage boys in our church. That they're, they're good workers, they're hard workers. They like to talk a lot, but they're good workers. They talk a lot of baseball. I don't care if they talk a lot as long as they're working. Number three, here's the other advice I, get, I gave them. And then, look, this might help you at work. I don't know. Here's what I told them. Do what your boss tells you to do. And if no one is directing you, let's say your boss, because they were doing landscaping. So t- I told them, do whatever Jose tells you to do, or whoever's in charge, whatever they tell you to do. <laughs> but if no one's directing you and they can't direct you, and I told them, like, let's say, for example, Jose's on the phone, or the guy that's running the crew's on the phone. Maybe he's talking to uh, another employee or he's talking to um, one of the clients, and so they can't direct you. You know, do what they tell you to do. But let's say they haven't told you to do anything or you're done doing what you were told to do and they're on the phone or they're preoccupied where they can't give you another direction, then do what the boss is doing. So if he's on the phone, you know, he told you do X, Y, and Z. You did X, Y, and Z. You're done. He's on the phone. He can't give you another direction. But he's picking stuff up as he's talking. You start picking stuff up while he's talking. So do what he tells you to do. When he's done directing, if he can't direct you, do whatever he's doing. If he's not around, do whatever other employees are doing. And if no one is doing anything, then just find something to clean or pick up or organize. And here's what I told my sons is, be busy the whole time you're working. Only take breaks when it's the designated time to take break, to take lunch or whatever. But don't just, and I I told him, never, never stand there with your hand in your pocket. One thing I cannot stand is watching people working with their hands in their pocket. I'm like, well, how are you working with your hands in your pocket? So look, the, goal, the point is this. Do what your boss tells you to do. If he can't direct you, let's say he's busy, he's on the phone, do what your boss is doing or what he was doing before he got on the phone. If, 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 if that's not a possibility, do what other employees are doing. And, and if that's not a possibility, then just start picking stuff up, start cleaning stuff, start organizing stuff, start putting back uh, tools back in the truck. Just keep busy. And here's all I'm telling you. I, that's just the advice. I, I'm just, I mean, this wasn't like a sermon outline. I'm just driving down the road with my sons, and I'm telling them, now listen, guys, when you get to work, you know, I'm telling these things. And then a grown man walks up to me a couple days later and says, your sons work harder than, any, than most grown men I know. And I thought to myself, I should probably teach this to grown men then. <laughs> Work as fast as possible and as slow as needed. Do whatever your boss tells you to do and don't make him repeat himself. And stay busy at work. Do what he tells you to do. If he's not directing you, do what he was doing or what he is doing. If, if that's not possible, then just clean something. And look, this attitude that says, my position doesn't, just pick up a stinking broom and sweep, all right? No one is above that. You're not above that. Just clean. Just organize. Just stay busy. Just push the ball forward. Just be productive. Because hard workers not only push themselves. And by the way, these all go together. A hard worker doesn't have to sit there. What are you doing? I'm waiting to be told what to do. Well, a hard worker doesn't have to be told what to do. They don't need to be supervised. They find something to do. And they have a plan. I'm going to do what the boss told me to do. And if the boss is gone or done, I'm going to find something else to do. I'm going to do what the boss was doing before he got on the phone or what the boss is doing while he's on the phone or what the other employees are doing. And if there's nothing to do, I'm just going to start picking up tools, cleaning up tools, putting them away, organizing the truck. Do whatever. But stay busy. 
You say, why are you preaching this? Because some of you didn't have parents to teach you these things. I'm thankful that I had a dad that made us work. You know, for me, my favorite days off, the holidays, were the holiday were the days off that my dad didn't get off. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Like, when we had President's Day off of school and he still went to work, that was a good day. <laughs> Christmas, Thanksgiving, not so much because he was also off. And when he was off, that meant nobody was off. Because we're, you know, if my dad was home, we weren't just sitting around in our pajamas till noon. He was always finding stuff for us to do, always finding things for us to do. We were doing a bunch of drywalling at the building um, this week, and it was just reminding me of my youth. Because I remember my dad, we lived in the Bay Area, and we were doing this work in our, in our garage and kind of turning the garage into uh, a, a, a room that we could use and things like that. And I remember him, we'd get up at 5 in the morning, and he would go off to work, and my brother and I, he would give us instructions, and he would say, okay, today I want you guys to drywall this, and I want you guys to do this, and he taught us how to cut the sheetrock and how to measure it or whatever, and you know, just reminding me of my youth. Just, except nobody was yelling at me, you know. <laughs> but... um. Hard workers push themselves, and hard workers produce value. Go to Genesis 49. Let me give you a third one. Now, look, I don't know if that will help you, but just find some version of that at your job. Work as fast as possible and as slow as needed. Do whatever the boss tells you to do, and don't make him repeat himself. Do what the boss tells you to do, and when you're done with that, if nobody's telling you what to do, find something to do. What to, do what the boss is doing while he's on the phone or while he's away, what he was doing, what other employees are doing, and you can always find something to clean. You can always find something to organize. You can always find something to pick up. You can always find something to put away. So hard workers push themselves. Hard workers produce value. Let me give you a third one, Genesis 49. Now, in Genesis 49, we have Jacob, who's now an old man, and he's literally on his deathbed. And he's going through each one of his sons, and he's kind of giving them these last words right before he dies. And to be honest with you, for a lot of them, he says a lot of mean things, because they were just kind of a bad crew. But I want you to notice what Jacob says about Joseph on his deathbed. Genesis 49, verse 22. The Bible says, this is what Jacob said, Joseph is a fruitful bow. He says, Joseph is fruitful. That goes with the idea that he was productive, he produced. Even a fruitful bow by a well, and here's the phrase I want you to notice there in verse 22, whose branches run over the wall. Jacob said about his son Joseph that Joseph was fruitful and that, and he's, he's, he's using this analogy of, a, of a, a vine or a plant, a tree that has branches, but he says his branches run over the wall. And I believe what Jacob is saying here is that Joseph had overcome a lot of obstacles in his life. Joseph had overcome a lot of difficulty in his life. And here's the third point that I want to give you this morning, and it's this. I said, number one, hard workers push themselves. Number two, hard workers produce value. Here's point number three, hard workers persevere through difficulty. Hard workers persevere through difficulty. Jacob said about... Joseph, that his branches run over the wall. And again, I, I believe that is a reference to the fact that he persevered over obstacles. He persevered through difficulty. Because if you think about the life of Joseph, he had a lot of obstacles. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was lied about by his boss's wife, lied about and thrown into prison while being innocent and falsely accused. 
He was forgotten. Remember, he helped the butler. He was forgotten about by the butler for two years. And he, he had all these bad things that happened in his life, all these walls and obstacles that happened in his life. But you know, Joseph, he was just fruitful, and his branches, every time that he came up against the wall, his branches just went over the wall. He overcame, and he uh, persevered through the difficulty. Go to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Keep your place there in Genesis. Go back to Proverbs if you kept your place in Proverbs. Proverbs 15. You know, let me say this. Lazy people give up when things get hard. That is a characteristic of laziness. We think of lazy as people who don't even start, which is true, right? That's point number one. Hard workers are self-starters. You're definitely lazy if you can't even start. But the Bible also says that laziness is when you start something and then it gets hard and then so you, then you quit. Proverbs 15, verse 19. Proverbs 15 and verse 19. The Bible says, The way of the slothful man... Remember sluggard? Now we're using sloth. Same thing with a sloth and a sluggard. They move very slow. Sloths are animals. I should have looked it up, but I think they sleep like 20 hours a day. The way of the slothful man, notice what the Bible says, is a hedge of thorns. What is the Bible saying here? A hedge of thorns is like a barrier, like a wall, a plant wall, but it's got thorns. You can't overcome it. And here's what the Bible says. For a lazy person, everything's hard. For a lazy person, everything's difficult. For a lazy person, you know, just the way, just the way, like the road you're supposed to walk, it's like every road they go down, it's like there's just a hedge of thorns across them. The way of the slothful man is in hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. Now, the Bible isn't saying here that righteous people get it easy and lazy people get it hard. No, what the Bible is saying here is that for lazy people, everything's hard. It's difficult. Go to Proverbs 20, look at verse 4. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. Proverbs 20 and verse 4, the Bible says this, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. It's just too hard. It's too cold. It's too difficult. It's too early. It's raining. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. And look, most people, I'm not going to say all people, but most people that are poor today and have nothing is because of laziness. Amen. Proverbs 22, look at verse 13. You know, a lazy person, they always have an excuse. And look, don't be that guy who's constantly going to your boss with some excuse, some reason why you can't. You know, your boss is not going to like you. If, you're, if every time he's like, let's do X, Y, and Z, and you're just the guy that's always like, well, let me give you three reasons why we can't do that. That's laziness. A hardworking pr- pr- person says, we can do it. We can get it done. We can overcome. We can uh, do the work that needs to be done. Proverbs 22, verse 13. The slothful man says, there is a lion without... I shall be slain in the streets. I think this is literally Solomon being sarcastic. I envision that some wife shows up, you know, walks up to her husband who's laying on a couch at, or laying in bed at 10 in the morning. And she, she's like, why didn't you go to work? And he's like, there's a lion out there. There's a lion without it. Shall be, and I shall be slain in the street. Go to Proverbs 26. Look at verse 13. He says it again. 
Proverbs 26, 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets. What are they saying? They're saying, I can't do it because there's a lion in my way. What did David do? He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He killed Goliath. The sluggard will not plow by reason of cold. The slothful man is in the hedge of thorns. You know, lazy people, they give up when things get hard. And oftentimes things get hard. But a hard worker says, I'm going to push through. Now, one thing that I've learned, and I'm thankful for all the men that have showed up. We have tons of great men that have showed up, and I appreciate all of them. But, you know, we've, we've been working a lot with these contractors, and, and, I, and God bless them. I mean, obviously, the staff and I uh, have been, you know, when the staff, let me tell you something about our staff. These work days, they're not there for a shift. They're there from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., and I'm not paying them overtime. You know, and, and they look, it's like, I'm paying you for your work, and then if, if these men are showing up after work, you know, to volunteer, then we're going to show up and volunteer as well. And praise the Lord for it. But some of these contractors, you know, uh, are, are there from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., and, and God bless them. One thing that I've learned with these guys, you know, um, with Brother Joel and Brother Adam, Brother Vladi, these guys, they just push through. They just, you know, things get hard and things get difficult, and they're just like, we're going to figure out how to do this. We're going to figure out, figure out a way to get this done. And, you know, it just shows me that hardworking people figure out ways to overcome. They are a fruitful branch that overcomes the wall. And lazy people, and look, this is what I can't stand about lazy people, is they'll literally just leave you hanging. Like, you'll be in the midst of some big, huge project that's all going bad, it's all going wrong, and they're just like, this is too hard, i got to go home. And literally, he's like, you're just going to leave me here? I'm like, yeah, you're on your own. It's like, you are lazy. That's lazy. But a hard worker says, we're going to stick with this thing. We're going to get this thing done. We're going to get it done. Lazy people give up when things get hard. But you know, hard workers, they persevere through. And that's what made Joseph a hard worker. He was, a, he was fruitful. But one of the ways that he was fruitful is that he overcame the obstacles. He overcame the walls. Go to Genesis 31. This is back to the life of Jacob. And look, just realize this, that hard work, and this is something that hard workers realize, that there are going to be seasons of difficulty in life. Obviously, there are going to be times when things, right now, for our church, for our staff guys, you know, for myself, there's, it's a season of difficulty. I mean, we're at the workdays from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Last night from 8, you know, from, or on Saturdays we go soul winning, and then from 1 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. or whatever. And, but look, I still got to write sermons. Still got to preach. These guys still have work that they've got to do. Notice what Jacob said, Genesis 31 and verse 38. This 20 years have I been with thee. Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flocks have I not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand dost thou require Require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was. Notice what Jacob says. Jacob says, and by the way, we're talking about this, because I'm not going to finish the sermon today, so I'm, I'm going to preach part one this morning, and I'll preach part two tonight. But Jacob ends up becoming a very wealthy man. By the way, all of the people in the Bible that worked hard ended up being very wealthy. But notice what the Bible says. Genesis 3, 140. Thus I was, in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. 
Hard workers realize that sometimes it takes long hours. Sometimes it takes long days. And obviously, I don't think that anybody should work 12, 14 hours every day of their life. But there's going to be seasons when you have to work hard and you have to look. I have to, this morning, this is not something I normally do on a Sunday morning. I don't like to do this on a Sunday morning. I'd, I'd, I'd rather spend time, uh, you know, reading the Bible and, and praying. But this morning, I got up, I read the Bible, I had a cup of coffee, and I had to work on my sermon because it wasn't done. And I have to catch up on some other uh, just administrative stuff that I need to get done uh, by, this, by this day. And look, you just, sometimes you just have to realize that you're going to work late, you're going to work at different hours, you're going to do different things, and it's just difficult. It's hard. But lazy people will just give up when things are difficult. Don't be that person. Hard workers realize that things are going to get hard. And, and let me just give you some thoughts regarding uh, difficulty. Of course, you need to work through it. And look, when things get hard... And this is something that, you know, I, I, my wife actually said this to me about labor. And look, my wife is one of the hardest working people I know, and, and praise the Lord for her. But I remember she, we were talking about this a long time ago about labor. I'm talking about giving birth. Because giving birth is a lot of work. It's called labor for a reason. But one time we were talking about, about labor, and, and she was explaining how, like, some people make it more difficult than it has to be because they're trying to, like, almost run from labor. Like they're trying to hide from like the pain or make it stop. And she was just saying that one thing you have to realize in labor is that like you just, you just got to embrace it. And if you want it to be done, you just got to work through it and get it done. Don't run from work. Just get through the work. So, you know, and, and look, I realize that this building we're working on, it's, it's like labor. It's not like women's labor. I'm not comparing us to that. But... It's hard and it's difficult, and it, it, right now it seems like when is this thing going to end and when are we going to find, you know, but we just got to embrace it and work through it and get it done. Yeah. We just need to work through it um, because life can be difficult and things are not going to be easy. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. You understand that? If it was easy, everyone would be accomplishing it. Everyone would be getting it done. So hard workers persevere. Hard workers get through it all. And like I said, the Bible teaches so much on the subject of work. I'm not going to get through it all this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this. I'm going to finish this sermon tonight. There's one more point I want to cover this morning, but I, I am going to finish this tonight. And let me just give you kind of some of the things we're going to talk about tonight because I'd like for you to come back tonight. We're going to talk about tonight how hard work is the secret to financial success and how the Bible teaches that hard worker is how you provide for yourself and how you provide well for yourself. I'm also going to talk to you about how to get a raise, how to get promoted. We're going to look at these men in the Bible and see what they did to succeed in the workplace and in work in general. So I want you to come back tonight uh, for the rest of the sermon. But I do want to cover just one more point uh, before we're done uh, this morning. Go to Genesis 39. I said, number one, hard workers push themselves. Number two, hard workers produce value. Number three, hard workers persevere through difficulty. But just let me give you one, uh, one last uh, point here, and it is this. Number four, hard workers prosper. Hard workers prosper. Go back to Genesis 39. Look at, look at verse uh, number 2 again. And the Lord was with Joseph. Notice these words. And he was a prosperous man. Who was a prosperous man? Joseph. 
You say, no, he's a slave. Yeah, but at the end of the story, he's a very prosperous man. You know why? Because he's a hard worker. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. So not only does the Bible tell us that the Lord was with him, but his own master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. I mean, Potiphar's looking at Joseph and he's saying, everything this guy touches turns to gold. This guy just has the blessing of God upon his life. Look at verse 4. And Joseph found grace and his sight and served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Look at verse 5. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So not only is Joseph blessed, but Potiphar is blessed just for hiring Joseph, just for having Joseph work for him. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. You know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that hard workers prosper, that God will make a hard worker prosper. Go to Genesis 30. Let's look at Jacob. Remember Jacob with Laban? Genesis 30, verse 27. Remember Jacob was putting in his resignation to Laban. He's saying, I, I got to resign because uh, you're not paying, you know, because Laban was cheating him. And notice what the Bible, notice what Laban says, Genesis 30, verse 27. And Laban said unto him, Jacob, I pray thee, if I found favor in thine eyes, tarry. He says, stay, don't leave. Think about that. Think about if you quit your job. If you showed up to work on Monday and said, hey, I got to put in my two-week resignation, would your boss say, no, tarry? Or are they going to say, good riddance? Praise the Lord. You beat me to it. Actually, I got a pink slip here for you. <laughs> and Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. Notice what he says. For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. You know, hard workers, they not only push themselves, they not only produce value, they not only persevere through difficulty, but hard workers, they prosper. The Lord prospers them. Go to Proverbs 14. Proverbs chapter 14. Look at verse 23. Proverbs 14 and verse 23. Notice what the Bible says. In all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to punery. The Bible says in all labor there is profit. You say, well, yeah, if, if I'm getting paid. No, no, no. In all labor. You say even free labor? Even free labor. You know, you know, the Bible says, anytime you work, you say, what if I work for church? What if I show up to a work day? What if I do what some of these guys are doing and I'm there for many hours and working and I'm not getting paid? What, what then? Well, in all labor, there is profit. Amen. And obviously, we can't pay these guys. We can't pay them what they're worth. They're worth way too much uh, for, for what we can pay them. They're, they're doing it as a work for God. They're doing it as a labor of love for the Lord. But here's what I know. We can't pay them, but God will. Because in all labor there is, I'm not just, I'm talking about everyone, all the men that are showing up and working and, and giving of their time. Let me tell you something. You might be volunteering and working for free, but you're not working. You're never going to owe God anything because in all labor there is profit and God is going to make sure you get paid. Amen. 
Now that might be financially, it might be in other ways, maybe it's your health, maybe it's a relationship, whatever, but God's going to make sure that he blesses you for the work that you do. Because here's what I can promise you, in all labor there is profit. Amen. And look, I, obviously I've been talking about, uh, today's the work day, and our work appreciation Sunday, but one of the themes that we've been having is the work days. Go to Numbers, if you would, Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32 Actually, you know what? Go to Haggai. Go, go, go to Numbers as well. I'm going to have you go there, but go to Haggai first. Haggai chapter 1. If you find, if you, if you find uh, the last book of the Bible, of the Old Testament, Malachi, if you go backwards, you have Zechariah, then the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. I can't help but talk about the work days because I don't know if you know this, but the Bible talks a lot about working at the house of God. Amen. Not only that, the Bible talks a lot about work days. Like, like going to a, a house and work, the house of God and working on it, there's lots of passages in the Bible about that. Let me just show you one. And let me show you how it's connected to the blessing of God. Haggai 1. Look at verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. He's saying, because Haggai's trying to get them. He's like Pastor Jimenez right now. He's trying to get people to show up to the work days and help build the house of God. But some people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, it is time for you, O ye, to dwell. Uh, Excuse me, he says, is it time for you? I want you to notice it's a question. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie in waste. And he's talking about the house of God. And look, you can say, well, the house of God is a church and we're a congregation. Obviously, we know that, but he's literally talking about a physical building. Here's what he's saying. Should you live in your carpeted house while the house of God goes without carpet? That's what he's saying. Should you live in your drywalled house while the house of God goes without drywall? Should you live in your painted house while the house of God goes without being painted? You say, I don't, Pastor, I think you're kind of putting... Am I making this up? Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie in waste? He's talking about the house of God. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages, to put them into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Did you just read that with me? He says, maybe the reason that God isn't blessing you financially is because you're not volunteering to work in the house of God. Did I, just, did I just make this up or did I literally just read a passage that says that? Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie in waste? And then he's telling them, here's why you want to work for God. Because you have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled. Ye, uh, he says, ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into a bag with holes. Look, obviously, I show up to the workdays as I'm the pastor. I get that. But you know what? If I wasn't the pastor, I'd show up to all the workdays. I've had several women say this to me. My wife was one of them. But I've had three other women in this church, independent of each other, say to me, 
If I was a guy, I'd show up to all the work days. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe we should start having the women show up. Because <laughs> obviously, like, the work days, you know, it's like Bible reading. The first, you know, we, we had these, all these men showed up, and now it's just kind of trickled. Can, I mean, can I just be honest with you? Amen. We're supposed to have this thing done by now. We're supposed to be celebrating right now. It's done. It's not done. You say, why? Because we treat work like you treat your Bible reading. January 1st, Genesis, you're reading your Bible, Exodus, and Leviticus, Numbers. You know, some of you haven't read the Bible because you're lazy. Because hard people, they don't continue things when they get hard. Genesis is exciting. Exodus is exciting. And then, you know, it starts getting into Leviticus. You're like, this is kind of hard. I don't think you should be preaching this. I'm, I'm preaching the Bible to you. Pastor, are you trying to shame us into work? If I have to shame you into work, you ought to be ashamed. It's a shameful thing for people to be, especially men, to be lazy. You ought to be ashamed. Look, all I'm saying is this. I believe there are men, and look, I don't even want to ask them. I don't even want to bring it up because some of these guys are showing up and they're working long hours. I don't even want to ask them, like, don't you have to work? Like, I don't even want to say that because I don't want to put their thought in their head because I'm just thankful they're there. But... Here's what I believe. God's going to bless them. God's going to pay them. And God's going to pay them way better than anything we could have paid them. Because they're working for the Lord. And the Lord is blessing them. Go to Numbers. Numbers chapter 32. And look, if, if you're like, I don't think you should be preaching about work days, then, you, then you're an idiot because has not read the Bible. Because tell me, tell me that you can't find, think in the Bible of passages where literally... Hezekiah and different kings, uh, or Josiah, are going back to the house of God and saying, hey, this house is in disarray. We need to repair it. We need to remodel it. Have you not read that in the Bible? So don't tell me I'm not, I'm not preaching the Bible or I'm out of bounds here. You'd be shocked how much the Bible talks about working in the house of God. But to me, when I think of work days, here's what I think. This is the verse that like, often comes into my mind. Because, look, even as a pastor, I could, I could probably just, you know, I'm like, I've got three full-time employees. I can make them go, which I do make them go, <laughs> praise God. And they go because they want to. I've got two teen boys. I can make them go. And I can just, I could just justify, like, well, I'm the pastor, you know, and, and I got to write some. And, look, obviously, there are times when I have had to leave the workday and be gone for a couple hours because as a pastor, I do have some responsibilities. I've had to meet with people and talk to people. Obviously, people are still going through major problems and, and having big life events in their lives. And I've had to, you know, leave for a little while to do my job. That's, that's what I do. That's what I need. I need to be available for that. So I get that. But, you know, I could just kind of like sit at home and say like, well, I'm the pastor. I, you know, I do spiritual work and we'll just let these volunteers do it all. Make the staff do it all. Make other men do it all. But, you know, if I did that, here's the verse, here's the passage that, that would kind of guilt me. Numbers 32. Because in Numbers 32, you have the story where you have the two and a half tribes of Gad and the Reubenites. And they are asking to stay on the other side of Jordan. And they're saying, can we have our inheritance here? Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh. And Moses thinks that what they're saying is they don't want to go to the other side of Jordan and help the children of Israel conquer the land and do the work that needs to be done there. And here's what Moses says in Numbers 32, 6. 
And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And, you know, that's the question that would, that would, that would dawn on me. Shall your brethren go to work, and ye shall sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord had given them? So, you know, the Bible teaches that we should get involved in things. And look, I realize I'm, we're, st- we're standing here five, four, five, six weeks into this work day, and, these work days, and it's been difficult, and I get that. And, and I understand you got to work. I get not everyone's going to be able to be there from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. I don't necessarily even want all of you there from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You know, I, we get that. But what I am saying is this. Don't have this attitude that says, well, someone else would do it. And, you know, my wife and I were actually talking about this. One of, one of the things is we, at Verity Baptist Church, I don't know if you know this, this is like our heritage. We've had work days from the beginning. I mean, the very first, I was thinking Brother Ron has been so faithful showing up to the work days and helping. But my wife and I were just reminiscing. Brother Ron was there at the very first work days. When we, when we left the house and we got our very first building, 800 square foot building, we have to remodel that. And we have to fix that. It was 800 square feet. It was nothing. But to us, it was a big deal. And then the 1,600 square foot building. And then almost every building, except for that cursed Northgate building that we got processed in, this building we had to fix up and remodel. It's just the way, it's, it's the way we do. But, you know, here's one thing we noticed, though. When our church ran 20, all the men showed up every day. All the men showed up all the time. I mean, as much as they could. One guy took a whole month off of work and showed up every day. Because I think in their minds, they're like, there's only like four of us. If we don't show up, it's not going to get done. But what's interesting thing is that as the church gets larger, it feels like we have less, you know, it seems like we had more people helping when we're running 50 and 70 than when we're running 200 and 250. But I think here's the reason. When you're running 250, everyone thinks, oh, someone else will show up. But then just the same six guys keep showing up. Because everybody keeps thinking like, oh, someone else will do it. Well, let me tell you something. Someone else isn't going to do it. The Calvary is not coming. We're out of money. If it's going to get done, you need to show up. <laughs> either that or write a million-dollar check. Well, either one. We'll take it. Don't have this attitude that says, I'm going to sit here while my brothers go to work. I'm going to sit in my sealed house. I'm going to sit in my nice house while the house of God is in disarray. You say, but it's going to be, it's hard. And there's, Brother Joel says there's at least like two more months worth of work. I know it's hard. But you know what hard people, hard workers, they push through. They persevere. They get it done. They definitely don't quit halfway through. And, and here's the thing, and here's, here's the catch. God will bless you for it. God will bless you for it. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I got to finish up. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me just give you a couple of verses and we'll finish up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And look, I'm honestly... To me, this is God's project, and God's going to... And if you, if you sit there and say, like, ah, oh, pastor, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you have a bad attitude, that's your problem. He's trying to guilt us. You know who's not, who's not feeling guilty right now? Guys that show up and work. <laughs> I always think it's funny. 
When people, people are like, you're trying to guilt us. You preach about soul winning. You're trying to guilt us. Well, you know, the only people that feel guilty when I'm preaching about soul winning is people that don't go soul winning. You understand that? Like, you're in control of whether you feel guilty in a sermon or not. If I'm preaching on tithing and you're a tither, you don't feel guilty. You're like, amen. If I'm preaching on soul winning and you're a soul winner, you don't feel guilty. You're like, amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm preaching about Bible reading, you don't feel guilty about Bible reading. You're saying amen. But if I'm preaching about Bible reading and you're not a Bible reader, you're like, ah, that doesn't make me feel guilty. So listen to me. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, ah, it's trying to make me feel guilty about work. Maybe your problem is you're lazy. Because if you get up and work hard every day, you're, not, you're loving this sermon. You're like, praise the Lord. Some of your wives are like, yeah, are you listening? Lazy bum. Ephesians 6, look at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. So it's just interesting to me, like, pastors making me feel guilty. No, you're in control of that. Every sermon I preach, you're in control of what side of the aisle you're on. Are you on the soul winning side or the non soul winning side? Are you on the working side or the non working side? Are you on the Bible reading side? Because everything I preach, either you're doing it or you're not. Everything the Bible says, either you're doing it or not. So stop blaming me when you feel guilty for a sermon. Maybe when you feel guilty for a sermon, it's the Holy Spirit of God telling you, you got to fix something. Ephesians 6, look at verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. This is a passage about work. With fear and trembling in the singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers. That's what we were talking about at the beginning of the service. These are the people that only work. You know the guy at work, he only works when the boss is around? That's what this is talking about. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing, don't miss this, please don't miss this. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when you work hard, the Bible says there's profit in all labor. The Bible says even if you work hard as a volunteer, you know, all you men that have been showing up and you've been faithful and I appreciate you've been giving us your evenings and you wives have been allowing, honestly, allowing your husbands to come and I get the sacrifice that you're allowing them to come and, 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 and women that are bringing meals and all those things. You know, we're not paying any of you. We're not paying any of you to do anything, but I, I just want you to know this, that God will pay you. Amen. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord. And honestly, just the work itself is a blessing. I've really, honestly, I've just enjoyed being around the men of our church. Amen. And just laughing and, and working hard, but just getting to know them and laughing and joking. It's been a great time. Go to Colossians 3. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 22. Here's another passage on work. It's amazing how much God talks about this. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Again, the guy that works only when he's being supervised. But in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord, that, knowing, excuse me, verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. 
I mean, it's just, it's consistent throughout the Bible. When you work, God will bless you. When you work, God will bless you. Obviously, when you work your job, you get paid and praise the Lord for that. That's great. We'll talk about that tonight. But even when you're volunteering, even when you're just doing it for the Lord, even when it's work or appreciation Sunday and your name's on that roster and you show up early or you stay late or there's some ministry that you do on, on off times or off hours or you serve during the church services, all of that, the Bible says, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward. God will pay you. Let me give you one last verse. 1 Thessalonians 1. You're there in Colossians? Just flip over to 1 Thessalonians. So we ought to work hard. And we ought to work hard for the Lord. And look, we're taking a, a, a Thanksgiving break, but the workdays are going to resume, guys. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I don't want it to be said of me. I, I, I left it up to just a handful of guys to do it. I sat in my sealed house while the house of God needed work done. I get it. You, 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 have, you have to work. I get that. And, and you need time to rest, and I get that too. But you got to ask yourself, am I being a hard worker or am I being kind of lazy here? Am I, am I someone that's just going to show up and work hard and prosper as a result? Or am I going to sit back and let my brethren do all the work? 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Paul is looking at these individuals today and, he, and he's telling them, Paul is telling the church of Thessalonica, he's saying, I want you to know that I am remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. And for all of you men who have been showing up, God bless you. And the ladies that have been bringing meals, God bless you. And, you know, honestly, for whatever it's worth, I want you to know that as your pastor, I see you and I appreciate you. And I'm praying that God will bless you immensely for the work that you're doing. But, you know, more important than that, more important than that, God sees you. And God will bless you. And God will reward you for your work of faith and labor of love. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for the subject of work. You never thought that work would be a controversial subject, but it's so controversial in our day and age. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be people who work, who are not afraid to work. Help us to be people, Lord, who push ourselves, don't need to be supervised. Don't need somebody to tell us to do something. Just push ourselves and do it. Help us, Lord, to be people who produce value and are productive and get things done. Help us to be people that persevere when it's hard and it's difficult. We get through the obstacles. We don't give up. We don't quit. And, Lord, we thank you that we really do work by faith, believing that you will prosper us. There's no possible way we could repay and re-give to these individuals the time and energy that they put in the work days at the new building and, and, and here as they volunteer. But I'm thankful that we don't have to because we know that you will repay them. You will bless them. You will prosper them. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a hard-working church. Help us to not have an attitude that says, I'll sit in my sealed house while the house of God goes in disarray. I'll sit back. Will my brethren work? 
Lord, help us to strive together as a church family. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and uh, have a song as we prepare for baptism. We have a couple of baptisms uh, this morning, so we'll go